0: On this episode of How to Actually Change the World, we talk with Professor Brad Jacob. Professor Jacob is an Associate Dean for Academic Programs at Regent University Law School. Enjoy the show. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. My name is Darvin Wentes. And I'm Ray
1: Pearson Ben.
0: And this is How to Actually Change the World. It's Regent University's official podcast, and we are so excited. Uh, we're going to be bringing you stories from a bunch of different people, people who are doing great things in the world, and we're glad that you're tuning in and listening. Uh, before we begin, please like, subscribe, and if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like button, put a comment, as well as ring the Bell notification and tell when a you do that. Yes, well. please tell a friend. Tell all your friends. Send the links to them. Uh, we are very excited, and we want people to hear these stories. So, without further ado, our first guest here today is Brad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is that His
0: what name we're calling is him? Brad. It's so <laughs> great. Is that it? <laughs> it's Brad. Some guy
2: named Brad he wandered in, wandered in off the street. Let's
0: qualify Brad. <laughs> oh, okay. Brad is a really great. Uh, guest today. Mm -hmm. He is in our law school. He's one of our professors, and uh, his name is Brad Jacob. That's his last name. I added that there. Would you please introduce yourself, Brad? You've already introduced yourself as very comedic and fun, and (laughs) you're you're a hoot, so
2: please introduce yourself. Well, I'm uh, Brad Jacob, and I'm uh, an associate dean and a professor in the law school. Been at Region for 21 years, came here in 2001. There's a whole... Uh, burning bush story of how I got here mm-hmm. in 2001 that involved a member of the faculty dying to open a spot on the, oh, wow. on the faculty for me. Wow. It's quite a, quite a story. Uh, before that, I began my career as a lawyer in a, okay. in a huge law firm in Maryland and uh, moved on to a succession of jobs in Christian ministry mm-hmm. and higher education. I was part of a group that Tried to start uh, a Christian law school back mm-hmm. in the 1990s mm-hmm. that failed, and I was part of a group that started a Christian college up in Northern Virginia wow. around 2000 that succeeded, mm-hmm. uh, and so I've done uh, was with Prison Fellowship Ministries for a while, and uh, and then uh, God brought me down here to Regent in 2001. So I'm I'm a constitutional lawyer That's my field, and. Uh, I, am, am, is this the very first podcast? Am I your first guest ever? <laughs>
0: uh, you are not our very first guest ever. <laughs> Why
2: okay. didn't you just let okay.
1: him... S- could
0: <laughs> I, I could have made you the very yes. first guy. It sounded but like
2: you were so setting me up as the first I, I'm sorry to so break actually, your actually this has been on going on one. for 12 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You,
0: you ran out of smart You're people You're just to another, talk to. another guest. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, well, we are very excited to have you. And <laughs> thank you for joining us today. Uh, though you are not the first, you are the first constitutional lawyer we have absolutely
2: well okay
0: look at that i'll accept that what an honor for
1: me it's making history yes
0: yes Uh, so actually we want to really jump in right now there's a lot of uh a lot of conversation in the air i mean like every every four years we have an election you know and there are things that go on politics is a huge point of contention within the world and um a lot of people kind of just listen to news they hear things on from a friend you know all of these different things, and we kind of just want to set like some foundational things and talk about some foundational things, uh, and just hear your perspective on those foundational things. And one of those is actually a word that I I have heard uh, anecdotally uh, thrown around, as well as I've heard law students more so than any other person uh, throw this word around. Is the word pluralism, and it's a it's a big word for people who have never see, heard I, it before. I just
1: turned in my seat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so
2: I have a class in front of me. Yes. <laughs> I'm ready. Yes. I'm ready to teach. Do yes. the law professor thing. Yeah. So
0: could you please give us uh, a definition of what pluralism is and then maybe go we'll into. go from there. Yeah. We'll go from there.
2: Okay. Well, you know, pluralism refers to a plurality, a multiplicity of things, mm-hmm. more than one, multiple views. Mm-hmm. Uh, we typically use it uh, talking about religions, talking about worldviews, uh, that we live in a culture where lots of people have different fundamental assumptions about what the world is like, what's yeah. important, how mm-hmm. you live your life. Uh, the United States has always been pluralist. Uh, we've mm-hmm. always had a, a variety of views. But for much of the country's history, there was kind of a veneer of uh of sort of Christianity, it wasn't not it wasn't that everyone was a Bible believing Christian, but there was sort of a Christian ish culture. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have referred to it as as uh, moralistic therapeutic deism is a word you a phrase that you hear sometimes mm-hmm. that it's mm-hmm. sort of there's a God and we're all supposed to be good people and mm-hmm. if you're good you go to heaven and and so while there were there was pluralism in the sense of. Baptists, Presbyterians, Anglicans, Catholics mm-hmm. um, in you know the last century mm-hmm. pluralism has kind of exploded in this country and especially in the last I guess 50 years maybe since the the 60s and the sexual revolution and everything's kind of changing in my youth mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know now we're a country that the, the Christian, Uh, portion of the population is dwindling rapidly. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know that it's accurate to say that Christians are a majority religion in this country. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe if you include all the nominal people, they are. But um, we have so many different faiths and worldviews, whether they're whether they're, you know, Buddhists or they're Hindus Mm -hmm. or they're they're, uh, Muslims or they're just kind of spiritual people who don't believe in any particular religion, any particular vision of God. So many, um, it's almost an a la carte menu today that Mm -hmm. people pull little bits of their beliefs from here and there. And so, you know, pluralism is now, I guess, much more plural than it Mm -hmm. used to be because there isn't even the ability to come back and say, well, at least we all believe there's a God. Right. And we all believe Mm -hmm. God wants us to be good and we've got some kind of understanding of what good looks like, even, you know, we can maybe look at the Bible and some of those things. Uh, the America today is in a tremendously pluralistic culture. Yeah.
1: Well, well, what problems, what tensions do you believe exist because of the pluralist society that we
2: have? Mm-hmm. Well, you end up with these fundamental differing visions of the good, right? And uh, we see this, you know, I'm a church-state lawyer. We see this in the church-state arena. If a state says, uh, you know, we're going to provide scholarships for students to go to private schools and we'll include religious schools is that a good thing or a bad thing well, some people are going to say well that's good it's good to encourage people to be religious and if that's what the parents choose why can't the state let the money follow the kid there and others will say you know we can't take our tax money and use it cuz these religions are basically bad they make people be backwards and bigoted and hateful mm-hmm. and we don't want that you know we you know it affects it affects abortion debates it affects so many of our public policy issues where we have just these fundamentally different views of of the good and we're not only pluralist we're polarized Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. there's so little effort either in the public at large or in our political leaders to find common ground anymore Mm -hmm. uh, that we that we end up just fighting over everything And, and there's no there's no common basis for making decisions.
1: Well, yeah. with pluralism though, it's it and just like you said, years back there it was a whole different view. And right. then now you jump 20, 30 years and pluralism has pluralized. Mm-hmm. And so we are to assume when you look at history, you you're now supposed to be able to pr- predict where we're going mm-hmm. by looking at how history hits me. So 20 years, 30 years from now, my children are going to experience an even more pluralistic world. So where do you feel like legally we could draw a line and still not infringe on people's rights?
2: It's hard. I mean, it's not easy to do. I think the biggest trick is we expect too much of our government Mm -hmm. and we expect too much of our Constitution. We expect to get answers to all the questions, yeah. and of course, I want the answers to be my side's answer. I don't want the other side's answer to win. So when you're in this sort of no compromise, take no prisoners kind of mentality, um, I, I think we're in a really scary place yeah. right now as, as, mm-hmm. as a country. Um, and again, we're not, we're not looking for the places where we agree, we're looking for the places where we disagree. Let me give you an example. Um, the hottest issue right now, we've had some huge stuff in the Supreme Court the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. Uh, abortion is the huge issue right now. The Supreme Court uh, in the Dobbs case overrules Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey and says correctly, in my view, nothing in the United States Constitution deals with abortion. It mm-hmm. doesn't say that the states may allow abortion. It doesn't say that the states may not allow abortion. It's simply not a constitutional issue. It belongs to the people. Go to your legislature, decide, make the laws. Well, American people are very divided. I'm really pro-life, okay? Mm -hmm. My wife and I have adopted four children out of crisis pregnancies because we're committed to trying to help Mm -hmm. moms, young moms who are in a crisis pregnancy. I, I believe that science teaches that when a human egg is fertilized, it has fully human dna Mm -hmm. and therefore it is a person Mm -hmm. and i am generally opposed to ending the life of a person Um, so for me even even things like the 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 morning after pill and l and some of these Mm -hmm. birth controls that that take a fertilized egg and cause its existence to end very quickly to me is ending the life of a child now that's a very extreme view on on the right to life that's my view But I recognize that less than 20% of the American public agree with me on that. And there's another less than 20%, on the other hand, who say a woman should be able to abort her baby right up until the moment of live birth. You know, no restrictions, which is pretty close to what Roe did. Um, No restrictions. You just If you don't want that child until that child is out there, you know, laying on the bed in the hospital, you can always end the life of that child. Neither one of those groups has a majority in this country. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: Excuse me. There's 60 plus percent in the middle that want a more uh, nuanced view. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's I'm OK with abortion at six weeks, maybe eight weeks, but not 20 weeks and not 40 weeks. And, mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me. Um How do we deal with rape and incest Mm -hmm. and what about physical harm to the mom i think everybody agrees if the mother's life is at stake or if it's an ectopic pregnancy or some of those of course you can do what you need to do but there's all these interim cases which is where the political process is by and large going to end up if this is decided politically there will be a few states that protect all abortions, you know, maybe New York and Massachusetts and California, mm-hmm. and maybe a few that ban all of them where the mother's life isn't at stake. But most states are going to reach some sort of compromise that the majority of the people can deal with. Yeah. And I have to be able to say, that's not my preferred moral outcome, mm-hmm. but I recognize that I live in a pluralistic society, yeah. and mm-hmm. I don't get yeah to have my side win every debate.
0: Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. that's an incredible point. That last part that you were just talking about Mm -hmm. of the reality that, and this is, let's take abortion, put it aside. Let's talk about murders coming in in the world. Let's talk about lying in the world. Let's talk about all of these very things that are evil in the Lord's eyes. Mm -hmm. That death is evil on its own, death as a whole. Like we were never meant to die. We were meant to be alive for all eternity. And then sin entered the picture. You know, like this, this is a reality that we live every single day. And we are always having that fight back and forth that very. And I think Paul says it very well that the very thing that I don't want to do, I do Mm -hmm. the very thing that I do want to do. I don't do. He's talking about the righteousness that he wants to attain and the sinfulness that he attains all the time. And that is exactly what we see here—that we're going to live in a world that is fallen and sinful, and this we can still call it sin. Whether they legislate it, whether they hold Roe versus Wade up, we can still call it sin, and we can still say this is evil. We should not do this, and still fight for those things, you know. And we still have to reckon with it. So I think that that's such a such an incredible point.
2: Absolutely, and and being willing to say. Okay, if the law allows abortions up to eight weeks, because that's what most people in Virginia or wherever it is want the law to be, then then we'll have to live with that law. And and if if that's not my preferred moral choice, yep. you know, we live in a in a society where where the law belongs in the hands of the people. Yeah. Um, Saint Thomas Aquinas uh, famously said that the law can neither prescribe every virtue nor proscribe every vice. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some things that may be sin. That aren't subject to the civil law, and and when we're going to govern a state, a country, um, we've got to work together with people who may not share our views, and <laughs> and we used to be able to do that yeah. in this country, and and it's largely broken down.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think, and, and yeah, that's such a hot topic right now, and it really does point out like, do, are we really like? Trying to attain the virtues of pluralism, working, or are we trying to go towards those polarized sides? And I think right now I'm pretty confident that we there's a lot of people trying to go towards those polarized sides. I would love for more people to seek. Okay, these and and like that. That's the base of a a democracy or well republic democracy. that you, there are compromises that are gonna have to happen. And we're gonna talk about a compromise that happened in history, um, but that uh, either people believe this compromise was totally terrible and we need to throw away the Constitution because of it, or there were changes that happened that made that compromise basically illegitimate no more and like it it doesn't apply to us anymore you know so we'll talk about that shortly uh but this has been a really great conversation so far Uh, so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with you guys All right. And we are back. Uh, we were just having a really great conversation on pluralism and within the, the landscape of abortion and all of the things that are going on right now. Uh, I believe Ray actually has a question for I us. Do, so, uh, I
1: do. And it's because and I just am curious. You said just now that there was a time when, oh, of course, we were plural. Um, since the conception, but there was a time when we were working well as a pluralistic society, and I'd like to know when that was.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I, I think it's it's varied mm-hmm. at different points in our nation's history. You know, we certainly consensus broke down and led to a civil war, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so, so the slavery issue was a big consensus destroyer. Um, I'm going to say in the world of my youth, and I grew up in the 1960s, um, there was a fairly good cultural consensus that let people work together. And again, it was it wasn't that everybody was Christians. it was this sort of this this sort of moralistic therapeutic deism kind of thing. but mm-hmm. but you know, people discussed issues. The Democrats and the Republicans weren't nearly as far apart as they are now. Um, and 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 we were more able to to, I think, work on stuff together. Public education was a lot easier because you didn't have every group waiting for you to say the wrong thing. You know, Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. I have so much empathy for public school teachers because if they say something about God, the ACLU is going to sue them. And, and if they don't say anything about God, then our friends at the ACLJ will sue them and, you know, somebody will sue them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you know what I mean? There's, there's just, they're trying to walk this tightrope because everybody gets offended Mm -hmm. so easily. And there, when I was young, there wasn't so much of that. There was now. Believe me, I'm not suggesting that the world of my childhood was was an idyllic world and right. everything was wonderful. I mean, mm-hmm. I've I've got black children, mm-hmm. and if we'd been in Virginia in the 1960s, life would not have been pleasant. Mm-hmm. Thank you for right? saying that. Yeah. 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 I mean, this was. <laughs> yeah. It's not like everything was good then and everything's right. bad now. Mm-hmm. Some right. things were were awful then mm-hmm. and are much better now. And but but I think on this on this sort of uh, Worldview issue. Okay. This is there some kind of a, a way of building a consensus to discuss issues, in some ways that existed, okay. existed. Yeah. Okay. at least if you were white.
1: Okay, and and I appreciate yeah. you saying that. Just because you know I, we all bring to the table our life experience, mm-hmm. right? And. I won't say I go as far back as the 60s. I won't say that. No, you're a child. <laughs> and I love you so much for saying that. But I I can say the experiences that my parents have and mm-hmm. even the experience that I had yeah. um, growing up, even in this region, mm-hmm. um, uh, certainly were not always pleasant. Yeah. And so I just wanted to know if, you know, if there was a time when everybody was a little more... Um, unified. Uh, I'd like to know when it was. Now, I think right now there is so much greater distance um, between people. You know, I think that we're farther apart and that is problematic. Um, One thing, it's good that people are speaking up and we're hearing a lot more voices, but it's unfortunate because I think people get caught up in their own voice, the sound of their own voice, um, that people Uh, as a whole us as a people don't matter and it's more so just my voice and Mm -hmm. just what i think and so i'm glad that you recognize that and it's good because i didn't even know that about you as Mm -hmm. a parent oh that i I have black kids yes (laughs) and that so then you do have an experience there of knowing that there are issues that we need to rectify just um with the differences of how people are treated yeah. just in the uniform that they have been issued.
2: Yeah, uh, it's, you know, yeah. in many ways things have improved mm-hmm. and the lines get drawn in different places. You know, mm-hmm. what was the flashpoint in the 60s mm-hmm. is not the flashpoint today. Yeah, um, We have made a lot of progress. Yes. Uh, there's a wonderful movie called The Help. I don't know if you've ever s- seen that. It's
1: one of my faves. Um,
2: <laughs> but by, when when I was watching that with some of my kids, I was I was kind of trying to judge the year by uh, President Kennedy's death mm-hmm. happens in the movie and I'm like okay you know that little blonde haired girl whose, whose uh, nanny is kind of the lead character in the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That little blonde-haired girl is just about my age. Mm-hmm. She's almost exactly my age because she's about five when Kennedy dies, and I was five when Kennedy died. And yeah. now I didn't grow up in Jackson, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. I grew up outside of Chicago, very different environment. But it's like, mm-hmm. that's not that long ago. Right. You know, yeah. as right. horrific as that world is to us today. So we've come a long way, but we yeah. sure haven't solved all our problems. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's important to recognize for living in a pluralistic society, it's important to recognize we're not going to solve every right. problem. Yep. Right. Like we're not going to solve not all of, this of yeah, Not for, right? this side that's of heaven. That's what heaven's for, right? That's what heaven's for. And that, exactly. that's exactly I, – I think Jesus' like, life was showing us that, that he took – The beating. He took all of the the stuff that the world had to throw at him. He took all of the people who disagreed with him and he spoke. He spoke the words that were true Mm -hmm. that are from his mouth, from the truth source himself. You know, like he spoke these words and into this world, into these people, and he taught them. But ultimately, he took the beating in this side of heaven and Mm -hmm. he told us it's because it's going to be for something further, something mm-hmm. in the future. And there will be that day when all of it's gone, when all tears are gone, all weeping, gnashing, Amen. all of the stuff that yeah. that we feel now will be gone mm-hmm. and there will just be glory. There will just be true love, not a world's definition of love, but the love that Jesus has taught us to, mm-hmm. to love. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's so important to recognize that we we're not going to solve our problems here. But we can walk forward together. We can mm-hmm. we can
2: make improvements. Nothing's yep. nothing's new yes. under the sun, right? That's yeah. Ecclesiastes, Absolutely. and and these same things have been around in different ways. I mean, you look at at Jesus' time mm-hmm. when they use the word Samaritan, that's kind of like. A 1950s southern white guy saying black or yeah. saying a nastier word for black, yep. right? Yep. I mean, Samaritans were just hated. They were yep. like the Jews considered them less than human. So when you when you hit the parable of the good Samaritan yep. or you get Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman, mm-hmm. he's crossing a huge, huge line brothers. of bigotry yeah. to reach out. He, he, he knows what this has been for us. This isn't this isn't new. This is human nature. You know, yep. we always have a tendency to want to put people in that. You're the other, you know, yep. you're in mm-hmm. a different mm-hmm. in a different camp. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that that's a really great uh, like segue into this question. And I really wanted to touch on this question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how would you respond to people who say that there needs to be a replacement? A total replacement of the constitution because of things like it not including the word woman uh, within it or it not including black people or the word black people or things that reference black people as other a than whole in the, yeah as being a whole person you know the three fifths compromise put into the constitution it's still in there as i've been you know that question has been posed to me that no, the three fifths compromise is still in the writing and it's not yeah. it was amended
2: away yeah exactly mm. yeah that, that now, was something that when i when just
0: as a matter of
2: document structure they decided when they first put on the bill of rights that they would not Rewrite the actual text of the Constitution every time an amendment was added mm-hmm. and integrate it into the text. They would just add the amendments onto the end. But the Three-Fifths Compromise is gone. It's not part of the Constitution yeah. anymore. Uh, the Constitution obviously uh, has a huge moral issue over slavery. Mm-hmm. You know, there was the the founders had to make a choice. You know, they written these lofty words. You know, all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. But they had a choice. If we're going to try to take a position on slavery, we're going to have at least two countries, maybe more. If we're going to get 13 colonies and make them into one country, we're going to have to punt the issue of slavery. And so they did. They didn't require slavery in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. They didn't ban slavery in the Constitution. Yeah. The Three-Fifths Compromise was, was awful. It was horrible. Yeah. I mean, it, it essentially allowed Southern slaveholders to get more votes Mm-hmm. Um, because the the three fifths of a person that the slaves counted, they weren't voting. They yeah. didn't. It's not like the slave got in and said, "Well, I get my three fifths of a vote." Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. That was just more votes for the slaveholders, yeah. right? And it skewed the House of Representatives yep. towards slaveholding, and the Electoral College is based on the House of Representatives, so it mm-hmm. skewed that Southern, which is why so many pre Civil War presidents. Were slaveholding Southerners, Virginians. Yeah. We have all these Virginian presidents. Almost all of them, except Woodrow Wilson, who was also a piece of work, uh, were pre-Civil War because Virginia was the dominant Southern yeah. state. Mm-hmm. So the presidents leaned Southern slaveholder. Yeah. yeah, you got John Adams, John Quincy. There were a few, mm-hmm. but for the most part, um, Southerners. They appoint the Supreme Court. Guess what? The Supreme Court had a southern slaveholder bent up until the Civil War. Yeah. That gets us to to the Dred Scott decision, mm-hmm. all kinds of nastiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was there. It was a terrible compromise, but it went away. At the end of the Civil War, we have the 13th Amendment that ends slavery. The 14th Amendment uh, that says slaves, the former slaves, are are now citizens. They're citizen of the state and the nation. They get to vote. You can't deny them the vote on the basis of their skin color or their form. Now, did it always work? Mm-hmm. No, because then we <laughs> yeah. get into Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. We yeah. get into the Southern states fighting it, but the Constitution Got, fixed yeah. that problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't want to. You know, kind of get into a linguistics thing, the fact right. that man was used conventionally to mean people oh, generically, yeah. <laughs> and that you could say all men are created equal, and that wasn't implicitly saying but women aren't, although yeah. in many ways women weren't back then. Yep. but to say that well, there's something wrong with the Constitution because we haven't gone back in every place that says man
0: yeah. right
2: in man or woman or ungendered person or whatever Mm -hmm, you know you know we culturally now have to say um i think that's a silly a silly argument um women are in a position of full equality today um they have strong protection under the equal protection clause um none of this stuff exists anymore the uh uh I
1: use my hands a lot too. Throw, I'm
2: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm Italian? I talk, I talk with my hands. Um, the the uh, to, to say we're going to throw out the Constitution. The Constitution is just supposed to be the structure.
1: Yeah. How we how. do it. Mm-hmm. It's
2: the rules of the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That we it tells us you know how to elect people, how long they serve, how you pass a law. Yeah. It's not supposed to answer all the political. Questions. There's nothing wrong with the Constitution. We can debate: Mm -hmm. Should we get rid of the Electoral College and have direct Mm -hmm. election of of presidents? I think that's a very reasonable debate. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think either position on on that is crazy. I can Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. argue I can argue for either one. Right? You know, we we can we can change things in the Constitution, but there's nothing foundational about the structure of government. Uh, that it sets up that isn't that isn't working. The problem we have is the way the people are using it, and yeah. the people who are running for office, and this, you know, this sort of if you're not in my party, you're my enemy, and mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. just going to disagree. I'm going to destroy you. That yeah. kind of uh, mentality um, has has uh, has really hurt our country. But I I don't see any reason why the fact that there was a problem that's been solved means we should now throw the Constitution out. I don't see the argument.
1: With that, then, why do you feel like, and I I feel like I heard a bit of that answer in what you just said, um, why do you feel like it is so necessary to have the Constitution? Like, why is it still that living, breathing document that's necessary for today?
2: Okay, living, breathing document is, is interesting terminology. Well, I say
1: that because the... There are amendments. There are amendments, yes. and you do feel like the amendments are necessary. That they need to need to be made. We in order. we can't
2: be governed forever by a document that was written in 1787 and yeah. is unchangeable. Um, the the uh, why we need a constitution. Boy, how much time do we have? I know. Um, <laughs> I could give you a little run through English English legal history. <laughs> But essentially, when we came uh, as colonies under England, English law is based on legislative supremacy, Okay, Parliament has Mm. the final word on everything in Mm. England. They have a thing called the British Constitution that's made up of multiple documents like Magna Carta and the English Bill of Rights and some of these things. But none of them are legally higher than an act of parliament. Mm. So parliament, for example, could repeal Magna Carta tomorrow if they wanted to. Now, they're not going to. A member Mm -hmm. of parliament who advocated repealing Magna Carta would be out of office so fast you would know it. But the English system is you end with the legislature. And it's better to end with the legislature than the courts because the legislature is politically accountable. Mm -hmm. Judges we have no control over. Judges typically serve for life. A judge makes a bad decision. You can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. So the English system says statutes overrule judges. Hmm. Our founders looked at their experience as a colony and said, you know, even parliament can be tyrannical. Mm, yeah. We want one more tier on the pyramid. So you've got the courts on the bottom, this common law making law. Then you've got the legislature and a statute can trump the, the judicial decisions. And then they said, we're going to put on the top a document. And the document is going to be enacted by We, the people Mm -hmm. of the United States, not by the legislature, not by the president, not by the courts. And it's going to draw a box. It's going to say, this is how the game is played. These are the rules. Okay, Okay? And everybody in government has to follow it. The executive, the legislature Mm -hmm. and the courts. And and we need that to have rules of the game to make the thing to make the thing work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our problem today Mm -hmm. is that the Supreme Court has decided at least. In some cases, they're moving away from it, I think. But for many years, the Supreme Court has basically said, we can make the Constitution mean whatever we want it to mean, Mm -hmm. whether it's in the document or not. Mm. And then you end up elevating those non-accountable judges back up to the top of the pyramid again. Mm. Um, And I've sometimes said... If the Constitution really is a living document that we don't have to worry about its text, the judges can just make it mean whatever they want it to mean. Mm -hmm. I'd rather go back to legislative supremacy. I'd rather have it end with Congress because at least I get to vote for Congress. I don't get to vote for the Supreme Court. But if they're doing it right, there's an amendment process. And if the thing gets dated, we Mm -hmm. should just go in and change Change it. it. But we don't anymore because – they can't
0: yeah. agree on. Yeah, and, and I think that's very true. And I mm-hmm. think that's true across the board. And we will have to wrap up here. I mean, I we're, This we, is good. Such a Can great, we do it again? Such a great conversation. <laughs> yes. So much fun. We would love to have you back. Um, but I think, in, you know, you, you talked about earlier, like not going into a linguistic game, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's, yes, we need to be able to uh, share, you know, ideas and thoughts and read the constitution and be able to read it and understand what it means, Mm -hmm. what it meant when the person wrote it, who they were speaking to their audience, understand it contextually. And I think that's what we've, run away from in a lot of areas i mean you see it biblically that's you know huge issue within the church Absolutely. is you uh, you read it and you're like this is what it means to me and therefore it's my meaning my thoughts all the things that i think i'm imposing onto the text it's a
2: great parallel know, you know yeah. what what mm-hmm. some churches I try to do with the Bible is what some in government try to do with yeah. the Constitution. Yeah. I want to remake it in my own image. Yeah. I want to make mm-hmm. it be what
0: makes me, me feel good, comfortable, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and and to be a pluralistic society, we all have to come on and say it means this. Yeah. How does that apply then? Yeah. You know, and so I th- this has been awesome talking about this. I love talking talking Constitution. We can talk.
1: And, for hours on this.
0: Yes, yes. And
1: you so, actually in, have the knowledge. In,
2: in, in, the, in, the words, <laughs> yes. in the words of Captain America, I can do this all day.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, this last question will uh, wrap us up for the day. We asked this of all of our uh, guests, all 12 years worth of guests. Um, You're down at the bottom of the barrel now. is really desperate. It's our namesake. It's how, do, how does someone actually change the world? So could you give us from your perspective, how does someone actually change the world? Goodness, how does one change
2: the world? Um, I think a lot of what we need Christian leaders doing these days is showing the love of Jesus. Yeah. Um, I think so much and, and part of this is I think – There's a portion of the church that has allowed themselves to be hijacked by politics and Mm -hmm. by a particularly sort of nasty, unpleasant brand of politics. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I always just keep going back to the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I, when I'm trying to train new lawyers, I figure if I can send out people with skills Mm -hmm. and ability and a love for other people, Love God with everything you Amen. got and love all other people, yeah. people who disagree with you, people yep. whose lifestyles you may not think are right. You yep. still love still them. Love them. Yep. You still love them and treat them with respect and honor and dignity yep. because every single one bears the image of the creator. You know, yeah. so for me, that's a world changer. And maybe you go, maybe you're Jay Seculo and you're you're in the Supreme Court winning huge, important cases, you know, mm-hmm. or or maybe you're somebody in a little one person law practice in some little podunk town somewhere and somebody's coming in and they're crying in your office and their life is falling apart and yeah. they need a lawyer who can who can help them and also pray with them and care for yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's so many different ways. But I see, you know, leadership to change the world coming out of Christ like character and the Amen. fruit of the Spirit being yeah. lived out where God puts us. Amen. Amen. What
0: a good word. Mm. Like he's preaching to us. (laughs) I love it. Oh man. Can I get all
2: three points of my sermon in?
0: (laughs) I'm a Baptist, I can do a three-point
2: sermon in in
0: easily in half an hour. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Man, well, thank you, Brad, for joining us. That was Professor Brad Jacob on how to actually change the world. Mm. My name is Darvin.
1: And I'm Ray Pearson. And
0: we are so thankful that you tuned in and listened. Like I said at the beginning, like, subscribe. Ring that noti- that notification bell and uh, we'll see you on the next one.